0: Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful, practical information about the law that matters to all of us hello i'm jordan rich and today's podcast is entitled give your case a chance preparing for the initial contact with an attorney we want to help you be prepared when you speak to an attorney about a prospective case knowing what to ask how to prepare what to expect we've asked two attorneys and members of the mass bar association to join us to give us some insight into the process and really help you out paul Clem of krasnew klem and faulkner law firm in andover and edward den of the den law group also located in andover Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Now more than ever, there seems to be a lot of need for legal help. Let's start with what's the best way for someone to go about finding an attorney?
1: Well, thank you. Um, I think the best approach is the word of mouth approach. If you know someone who uh, knows an attorney out there that you can talk with, um, that's a great way to find lawyers. Another way is if uh, you have friends or family who know an attorney, have them contact the lawyer and, uh, and or have them give you the information to contact that lawyer. And the lawyer that you speak with doesn't necessarily have to do the kind of work that you're looking for, but that lawyer will probably have someone in their network who can uh, help you and, and give you information and, or give you a name of someone to contact. In this modern world though, of course, everybody Googles. Um, and my recommendation for Googling for a lawyer is to put in the town or city you're in the type of case that you you have, and then also the word attorney. And what'll come up is a whole list of lawyers in your local area. Um, some of them will be on a site called AVO, A-V-V-O, or FindLaw. Um, these are websites that kind of combine attorneys and put them in a list. And, and those are places where you can look and, and see uh, what lawyers are out there that you might wanna talk to. And then finally, you can uh, look at the website for that particular attorney and see what kind of information you can find on there that might be helpful to you in determining which lawyer you want to go with.
0: I was going to add uh, something that we talk about every single podcast is the lawyer referral service details at the end of this podcast.
1: Yes, the lawyer referral service is a great place. In fact, often when I decide not to take a case, I give them that phone number, 617 uh, Six five four oh four hundred, uh, quite a bit, and it's a great resource.
0: Let's go to Ed now for the next question. First contact with an attorney, there are lots of ways to do it. What do you recommend? Is it best to call? Is it best to send an email? What do you, What do you say, Ed?
2: Well, nowadays, I think uh, call or email are the best ways to initiate contact. I know there are other options out there, but the the tried and true telephone call or email, I think, are the best and and the most effective ways of initiating the contact with the with an attorney for a potential client. I really like personally to receive an email before a telephone call, um, if at all possible, because it's great to have somebody's contact information and perhaps a quick Uh, summary of what their case is all about, even before our first call, because it enables me to be better prepared for that call. Um, And I think uh, most attorneys will include all of that sort of contact information on their websites. And that would be, you know, telephone number and email and so on. Uh, Nowadays, um, you find a lot of attorney websites that have a chat function to it. So that's another way to initiate a contact with an attorney. I don't know that it's necessarily the best way to do it, because more often than not, um, that chat Probably will not be with an actual attorney. Uh, in many cases, it's, it's with uh, an outside contractor who provides the, the chat function. I would recommend that, if at all possible, uh, potential clients try to initiate that contact during regular business hours because they're more likely to actually get an attorney on the phone at that point, um, you know, and it'd be able to get to the heart of uh, the matter and, and try and get somebody signed up as quickly as possible. But those are, I think, the, the best ways to do it. I would also say that if uh, if somebody doesn't speak English as their first language, um, you know, perhaps they would want to have a, you know, a relative or, or someone else handy who can perhaps translate or be a go between between the potential client, and the attorney. Um, you know, but those are the things that come mm. to mind.
0: Great information. Paul, you have to be ready in this world, particularly these days. With your information, time is is so critical to everybody. So what advice do you have for people who are making that first phone call or first foray into meeting a lawyer? What should they be ready to discuss so that uh, everyone's time isn't, isn't wasted away?
1: A lot of potential clients um, have not had a lot of contact with attorneys and maybe perhaps not in contact with the legal system itself. And so they're not sure exactly what's what information they need to give to the lawyer. They just know they have a problem. I've kind of broken it down to four things that people need to do when they're uh, contacting a lawyer. The first is the lawyer is going to want to know what's the next event. Um, Is there a deadline? Is there a hearing coming up that the lawyer needs to know? Maybe there's a hearing tomorrow if it's a criminal case. And so the lawyer is going to need to know that right up front. That's the most important thing. There may be a statute of limitations problem. Statute of limitations governs, a, it provides a deadline by which a certain case must be filed in court. Now, in general, for what's called a tort claim, like a car accident or things of that nature, it's a three year statute of limitation, but there, is, there are other rules that apply. There are shorter deadlines for different kinds of cases. And so you want to make sure that you provide the date of the incident right up front so that the attorney can figure out what is the statute of limitations. Does a three year apply? Is there a shorter Time frame that applies. That kind of sets the context for the rest of the conversation. Often people who are calling an attorney think that the attorney needs to know everything all at once. And so without any context, the caller will just throw out an enormous number of facts. And it can be frustrating for the attorney and for the client when the attorney interrupts the client to try to ask pointed questions. And so what's best is, to let make sure that at, up front, you know what the deadline is, what is the date of the incident, what's the date of the hearing. That's the first step. The second step is what happened. The what happened is, if there were an automobile collision, the, just tell a brief story of the event itself. Don't go into too much detail. Let the lawyer guide you through this process. You know, we're we're lawyers. We go to court and we ask witnesses questions. And we do that to get out certain information. And so don't be upset when a lawyer interrupts you when you're telling them what happened. That's a good thing. That shows that the lawyer is interested in the case, potentially, and that the lawyer is trying to find out certain information that you might not think is relevant, but that the attorney who's trained in that particular field might find to be very relevant. And so allow the lawyer to go down whatever road that lawyer wants to go down, you'll get back to telling your full story at some point. The third thing is in a case which involves someone getting injured, damages are crucial. You need to know what your damages are. And there are three basic types of damages. Physical damages, like I broke my arm or I broke my rib. Then there's emotional damages. Emotional damages are such things as you had headaches because you were stressed out or you had nightmares, you had trouble sleeping. And can it be more significant than that? It could be that you have um, suffered post-traumatic stress disorder or you've been diagnosed with anxiety or other psychiatric type conditions or, or... And so that's the second thing that you wanna do, physical, emotional. And the third is monetary damages. Monetary damages are things like lost wages or they could be uh, medical bills. Uh, There could be any number of things. You may have had to buy a particular medical device to help you deal with the injuries you're suffering from. So make sure you have some understanding of what your damages are. You don't need to know the exact numbers, but just have some understanding of it. And the fourth thing that a lawyer wants to know Who are the parties involved you as the person bringing the lawsuit would be a plaintiff and the other side would be called the defendants the lawyer needs to know who these parties are because as lawyers we have this thing called a conflicts check that we have to do so we can't represent person a today and then generally turn around and sue person a tomorrow because we would have developed certain information about person a while we represented them that we can't later use against them down the road. And so that's a bit of a frustrating process for potential clients. They sometimes have trouble understanding why we need to know that, but that's why. We need to make sure we're not suing someone that we are not allowed to sue under the ethical rules.
0: Well, I'm learning a lot here. I'm sure our listeners are as well, gentlemen. Ed, let's talk a little bit about the fact that every phone call doesn't correspond to a new case and a new client, obviously. And there's a screening process that the lawyers employ to screen out clients that just wouldn't fit. What is that process all about?
2: Well, as Paul discussed from the very first phone call, a lawyer is looking to determine a handful of things about a potential case. And first and and probably most important are, are there any merits to the case? And like Paul discussed, that's going to include an attorney asking questions to try to obtain the information that he or she needs to determine whether there's liability in the case, whether there are damages, and even if there are damages, whether there's collectability in that case. Meaning that if the attorney were to take the case and to pursue the case, that he or she would actually be able to collect something for the potential client or obtain some, some other recovery from the client, whether it be injunctive relief or, or whatnot. Um, If it's a defense case, then the attorney would be asking questions to determine whether there was a defense there and whether there's something that the attorney might be able to do for the client. And if so, um, exactly how the the attorney would be getting paid for that. From the get-go, like Paul said, an attorney is going to be asking questions about who are the players in the case, who are the plaintiffs and the defendants and the witnesses and so on, um, so that the attorney can assess whether there are any Conflicts of interest. Because if there are conflicts, then whether the attorney or the client like it or not, then the attorney just cannot take the case as an ethical matter. Uh, Three, timeliness. From the very first call, an attorney is going to be looking to assess whether the potential claim or defense is is timely. Um, Because if it isn't, there's probably nothing that the attorney can do. Fourth, procedural history. Uh, An attorney is going to be trying to find out what's gone on in this case. Um, You know, has the client or a prior attorney made any attempt to resolve the case? And how did that go? Were there communications back and forth? Does the client have those to share with the attorney? Uh, Is there an actual procedural history of the case? Has there been something filed in the case? Um, You know, is there actual time to respond or maybe the client's been defaulted? These are all things that the attorney is going to want to know uh, right out of the gate about the case. And I'm not saying that, you know, for any one of those reasons, you know, except for potential conflicts, the attorney would flat out Reject the case, but it's uh, important that an attorney understand these things that the client be forthcoming about them so that the attorney can make an informed decision and provide the client with proper advice. Another thing that the client will be or the attorney will be trying to uh, determine from the very first call is whether it's a good fit, whether the attorney and the client are going to be able to work together going forward. So it's important for a potential client to stay calm. During their conversation with the attorney, be cooperative. Answer the attorney's questions completely and truthfully, um, you know, because the the attorney from that very first call is going to be trying to assess whether this is a relationship that's going to work for both sides. Um, you know, it's it needs to be a cooperative relationship when it comes to attorney-client, the litigation of a case. So it's uh, it's very important to an attorney. From the very first communication to know that the the client is somebody that they can work with um, that they don't have unrealistic expectations for their case um, nothing turns off an attorney more quickly than when a client uh tells the attorney this case is a slam dunk and it's worth however many millions of dollars um you know it's an adversarial process litigation so there are always two sides and um, an attorney understands that perhaps better than the client and um you know so that it it sort of raises a red flag if uh you know the client is is lecturing the attorney in that very first communication about what the attorney can and should be doing for the client um, it's important that the client actually listen to what the attorney has to say and, um, you know, those are the things I think that, uh, mm. you know, that go into that first communication.
0: There's a lot that has to be gleaned from that first contact, Paul. And what is it that the attorney is, is looking for? What is the attorney investigating, again, based on that initial consultation?
1: As I mentioned before, we're looking first for any hearing dates or status limitations. Uh, we're looking to see if, if we think we can get along with the uh, potential caller, the potential client. We're looking to see if there are any conflicts that we need to resolve early on. Um, We're also looking to see if there are any insurance issues. Um, If someone calls me about a case in which they're going to be a defendant, um, we want to see whether or not there's any uh, general liability policy or or automobile policy or other coverage. It could even be a homeowner's policy available for that particular defendant. If they're calling as a plaintiff, we want to see whether or not the other side has insurance or whether or not we believe that they have insurance, because it's difficult for an attorney to bring a lawsuit if there's no collectability, if there's no ability to obtain funds at the end of the lawsuit. We also want to know, as we talked about earlier, kind of the who, what, where, when, and why, what really happened, what facts matter. Um, For instance, nowadays, a lot of places have security cameras, so we would want to know. um, I usually and using Google Maps during the first phone call to look around and see what businesses are in the area to see whether or not we need to uh, send letters or contact them to try to get a copy of their video cameras of the incident. We're also looking as to where's the right jurisdiction for this case. Is this a state case that we're going to be filing in the state court system, or is it a federal case? Um, I do a lot of police misconduct work, and often we end up bringing those in the federal court which has its own rules and 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 guidelines and deadlines? Um, or is it a case that we're going to keep in the state system? That's something that kind of we need to know early on in the process. We also want an idea of what kind of documents does the client have? You know, what's great about nowadays is that people can email us documents right away, whereas we used just have to wait for them to, to mail them or to drop them off at the office. Nowadays, emails are very important. And so we would want them to send us the relevant emails so that we can at least get a, a flavor right off the bat as to what's really, what's really going on here. Um, another thing we're trying to think of early, particularly in like a medical malpractice case or any case involving a physical injury um, or any case involving a product defect or someone falling, is do we need an expert? And if so, do we need a medical expert? Do we need a, a liability expert? What kinds of experts do we, do we we are we going to need in the case? One of the things that an attorney needs to point out to a client early on is that we can't promise or guarantee any result whatsoever uh, from our work. Uh, you know, we do our best. We zealously advocate for the client, um, but no one can promise that you're going to get X dollars out of any case. It's just not It's not possible. There's so many variables involved in a case that in that initial phone call, we have no idea. By the same token, we can't give or generally can't give an estimate as to how much you're going to recover in that initial phone call. Um, There's too much unknown. There are too many unknowns. You have to get the medical records. You have got to get all the documents, read over police reports and other materials to give you a better idea of what's out there in terms of a potential recovery in the case. It also depends on the amount of insurance that's available. In that initial phone call, the other thing we we like to get started on is discussing the fee structure. Um, We don't always commit to a case in the first call, um, but we like to give clients an idea. Who's going to be responsible for cost? Is it going to be what's called a contingent case in which the lawyer takes a certain fee, often a third, from the recovery? Um, Or is it going to be what we call an hourly case where the lawyer charges X dollars per hour for the services? Um, When are the costs going to be paid? Are they going to be taken out of the final number in the case or are they going to be paid every 30 days as the case goes along? Um, So those are some of those uh, initial things that the attorney is trying to find out Mm. early on.
0: This is such a great primer for anyone making that phone call or making that connection. And Ed, I'll ask you the next question. The obvious note is that people should remain calm, but it's very difficult when you're facing a legal crisis and everything's a crisis when it's yours. So besides that, what are some of the other uh, bits of advice you have for the callers, for the client to be or potential client to be when they make that first contact?
2: Well, like Paul said, I think it's important to sort of collect the relevant documents and whatnot and have those handy and be ready to communicate those to the attorney as quickly as possible. I understand uh, as all attorneys do that sometimes clients are calling in the middle of a, a, an emergency. Sometimes they're calling from, you know, emergency rooms literally. And um, in those cases, everybody understands that the documents aren't going to be there. They're not going to be ready to be had. And certainly the, you know, the attorney will get involved and, and help the client collect them. Um, but I would say that the most important thing that a client can do um, you know, in preparation for that first call, email, or other communication is to sort of have their elevator speech about their case ready to go. Um, keep it really simple. And what what is the case about? For example, it's a car accident case. What's the potential liability? The other driver ran a red light. What are your injuries and what's your harm? Um, I have a broken leg. And if if someone were to call their attorney and basically just tell them, and you know, in the first thirty seconds of the call, you know, listen, I was involved in a car accident. The other driver ran a red light, and I have a broken leg. Uh, at that point, the attorney knows in in those first thirty seconds that there's seemingly a case there and the attorney will ask questions I mean, all the extraneous details the attorney knows what he or she does or does not need to know in order to pursue that case and they will they'll go on to ask questions about where was the where was the accident when was the accident who was the other driver did you collect insurance information um, do you know if uh, the police responded and so on and so forth um you know so i'd say the, the most important thing that a client can do is to have that sort of elevator speech ready to go. Uh, as Paul mentioned earlier in the conversation, um, the typical phone call is nothing like that. Um, more often than not, the you know the client is is talking at length, um, you know about mostly the extraneous details. Start from the the heart of the case, the core of the case, and then the attorney will help the client fill in the relevant blanks later on. Um, you know, that would be, I think, the, the mm. best advice that I could give to somebody looking for an attorney.
0: And Paul, uh, it's important for the client or the potential client to know, again, as you said at the beginning, what the attorney's all about, his or her expertise, so you don't go chasing uh, the rabbit down the hole. You, you know you're dealing with somebody who's in charge of that kind of material.
1: Yes, and websites now are pretty helpful in terms of determining what kind of work the particular attorney does. Um, and again, I can't emphasize enough, talking to other lawyers that you do know, even if they're not in that field, they often know who's the person to go to on a particular issue. Um, and so keep, keep that in mind.
0: Let me conclude with both of you great guys by uh, asking about the conclusion of the meeting and the call. What if a lawyer says, no, uh, this is not for me. I have to decline the case. Uh, what should the response be by the consumer or the potential client? We'll start with you, Ed.
2: Well, it it doesn't make much sense to push back. If an attorney has indicated to a a potential client that he or she is not uh, interested in the case, then you don't wanna force it on someone who, for whatever reason, uh, doesn't wanna take the case. Attorneys turn down cases for a whole host of reasons. It can range anywhere from the merits to where that particular case might fit into their business model or their practice areas. So if an attorney says no, then, you know, graciously thank them for their time. Um, And I would suggest then asking them if they can recommend someone else uh, who who might be able to help them with their case. And more often than not, as Paul mentioned earlier in in the podcast, uh, an attorney will have a network of attorneys that they know well, um, you know, and one of them might be in the, you know, in a practice area that could help out that client. If for whatever reason, the attorney can't point the client in a particular direction to a specific attorney, then ask whether the lawyer can recommend a referral service like the Massachusetts Bar Association's lawyer referral service or dial a lawyer. If the call um, doesn't badly and you know the attorney does uh, indicate that he or she might be willing to take the case then i would say that the uh, you know at that point the client should ask well what documents do i need to send to the ator- attorney um when can we schedule a time to follow up you know can you send me a a draft fee agreement you know something that might reflect the terms of our arrangement if we're going to go forward um, but those are the things that come to mind about concluding that uh, that first call
0: and Paul, if the lawyer is going to take the case, says, yes, I will accept, that's when it's important for the client to ask for a draft of a written fee agreement?
1: Yes. Uh, lawyers often will hold off on that initial call from saying, I'll definitely take the case. Um, but yeah, you want to look at the draft fee agreement. You want to look at that agreement, see what sort of a fee the lawyer is looking to take. Is it 33 percent? Is it 40 percent? Is it 20 uh, and, and also who's responsible for the costs. Uh, when are the costs paid? Do you have to pay a retainer upfront? Some lawyers want X dollars up front as a retainer towards cost, which means that that retainer is used to pay the costs of the litigation, which is filing fees, photocopying, faxes, service of process fees, deposition costs. Those are costs. They're not part of the legal fee that the lawyer gets, but they're merely a retainer of funds funds held to the side that are going to be used to pay some of these costs. Make sure at the end of that call, you know, what other documents that that lawyer is looking for. We're always looking for more documents. Maybe you have some medical records. Maybe you have a police report. Maybe you have those emails that we talked about earlier. Those are things that the lawyer is going to want to know. Another important thing is set up a next call. Uh, Don't let it just drift um, because sometimes we lawyers get busy um, and we, uh, you know, maybe a little slow in getting back to the person while it's a very important case to you and it's important to us too. We have other things that we're working on. And so you want to make sure that, you know, can I get back to you in a week or can we talk next Tuesday just to kind of keep the ball rolling, keep you in their minds um as time goes on. And my overriding point of this is um I do some work with dial a lawyer where we get these calls. And um I'm often telling people you need to get a lawyer. And and then I tell them these four points that we kind of talked about here, which is know what the next event is, know what the deadline is at that call, be ready to tell succinctly what really happened. Um, don't go into a long speech. Be happy about the lawyer asking questions; it shows interest. Know your damages: know the physical, the emotional, and the monetary damages. Have some idea of what they are. And then finally, have the names of the parties ready for the conflicts check. If you follow those four s- steps. It doesn't mean the lawyer will take the case, but they will appreciate that you're prepared for the call and they may be more willing Mm. to listen to you.
0: This has been so illuminating uh, on all counts. You guys have prepared a beautiful interview format so that I can just bring the questions to you and you then uh, outline them so succinctly. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners do, and there's much more information that the Mass Bar Association makes public about this kind of thing, but uh, hearing it from two of the best in the business makes sense. Gentlemen, Paul and Ed, thank you so much for your time and more importantly, for your attention to the customer, to the client. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jordan.
0: Our thanks again to attorneys Paul Clem and Edward Den, proud members of the Massachusetts Bar Association. We really thank them for helping us out. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577. Or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.